0: Words, they get golly hard when they jumble Jumping over hurdles, slowing verbs like a turtle murky pool like Squirtle and Cake Bull Cold blood is with the scheme I'm a boss This is That Got Me Thinking, and I'm Ellie Newman. This week, I've been thinking about shifts and what it takes to make them. I've been thinking about the canyons between knowledge and change, and I've been thinking about what it looks like to find your voice, feel your feet, and take action. My guest today is Janet Neal. She is the founder and queen bee at SuperbWoman.com Inc. She is a superb woman and a reformed superwoman. We'll talk about those distinctions later. Who's learned how to lead a should-free life, productive, joyful, and powerful and believes all women can do the same she is author of the superb woman it's all about the bee and soul in control reflections of a reformed superwoman welcome janet and thank you so much for joining us today on that got me thinking
1: oh thank you ellie it's a pleasure to be here so i want to start
0: with your path to writing superb woman and soul in control um, just maybe go back, back, back in time, um, maybe the beginning <laughs> of your, your work history and when you started as a global client rep for, for IBM and you were there for
1: 19 years. Right. Um, well, you know, even a step back before that, um, it's helpful to know that I was one of those um, good girls, that it was really important in my life to do what um, pleased everybody else. And uh, so it was very natural for me to just do whatever was the right thing to do. And uh, it's another, we could do a whole nother program on how I ended up at IBM, but I, it was a great company. Um, I had been a teacher um, prior to being there and um, and ended up going into a corporate life. No idea what, what was ahead of me. I had no idea what being in the corporate world was like. Um, And this is the early 80s. And, um, of course, I morphed my way into it and I had a successful career. um, And I did what people expected me to do. I rose to the top. I did the best job I possibly could. Um, And then what happened was over time, uh, I I have this belief that the universe um, gets your attention in three different ways. The first one is there's the little whisper in the ear, which I'm very good at ignoring, um, or I should say in the past I was. The second one is when it taps you on the shoulder. And then the third one was when it hits you with a 2x4. And uh, I generally waited until I got hit by the 2x4. And so there were a series of things that were happening in my career, even though I was doing very well. Um, but I got to the point where... I had just secured a huge multi-million dollar deal, and um, I had brought the company back from not having any relationship with us uh, for 10 years to, to this deal. And my manager you know, smelled the money, swooped in, took the credit for it, and uh, I was kind of left on the sidelines. And I thought, well, maybe it's time to look for something else. So I did what I was supposed to do, and you're supposed to get permission to interview for another job. I had another job lined up, and I went to the same manager and said, "Um, you know, I think it's time for me to move on. I found another job. And she said, nope, we need you right here. And she wouldn't give me permission to leave. And at that point, I just went, uh, I'm dying inside. I can't do this. And um, that was was the first time I really – listened to what was going on inside of me. I was not happy. And I went and was talking to my husband at the time about it and said, you know, I can't do this job anymore. I'm just, I'm, I'm losing my creativity. I'm losing my essence. I can't do it. And he said, nope, you got to stay there. And Um, I told my parents, I said, you know, I I, want to leave. And they're like, why would you leave IBM? It's a great company. You know, it's a good job. You're doing well, blah, blah, blah. No one that I talked to was in favor of it. And yet, for the first time in my life, I listened to that voice and I decided I have to leave. And um, just then I got a call from a headhunter, out of the blue, never got calls from headhunters, that offered me a job. And it was my gateway into the next phase of my life
0: and so so let's go back as we started with before that and and you weren't listening to the voice the whisper in your head what were you listening to what were you using as a gauge to know sort of what was the right thing and to be pleasing others you know what was your guide at that point point? and were you aware that that was what you were doing were you aware that that was the operating system
1: totally aware uh, because I, like so many others um, in my generation, totally admired Gloria Steinem and all the women in the um, women's liberation movement, and took their message that I heard as women can do anything and morphed it into women must do everything, do it by yourselves, and do it perfectly. That was the super the superwoman, and uh, that was the ideal and if you could do everything and keep all those balls up in the air and um, keep doing more, um, then that would kind of prove your worth. And that was my goal was to be able to be a superwoman. So it was a combination of that. And then going back to like I was talking about, my personality was such that I felt I was doing a good job if you liked me. And if you didn't like that, then I would change so that you would like me. So, here was this this combination of me trying to please everyone um, and to do everything at the same time, and I can tell you right now, it is an unsustainable model.
0: Well, it's interesting because, and and I don't know if you've seen the post, but I was talking with a girlfriend about it this morning. We saw it last night, and I think that our particular generation of women. We are very unique as far as the messages that we got growing up and as we came into adulthood. And we're a bit of a blip and and the old commercial, unless you grew up in that generation, won't mean much to you. But, you know, she's she's out there making the the money for the bacon then she's (laughs) frying it up in a pan, right? She is looking good doing it. And, you know, people laugh at it, but it really is, I think a unique set of expectations and pressures on this particular generation of women. Um, mm-hmm. And in many ways put us between a, a rock and a hard spot. And so you just mentioned briefly being a superwoman. Um, what does mm-hmm. that entail that's different from being a superb woman? And we'll talk more about us being a superb woman as we go on.
1: Yeah. I, um, like I said, I was a superwoman. It's all about the doing. It's all about how much can you do? How can you keep those balls in the air? Um, the more you can do, the better you are. And I realized, as I said before, it's an unsustainable model. And that the only time that I started to understand who I was, what was right for me, and, and when I really could tap into my unique strength was when I learned to take that step backwards first and to go inside and to learn to be myself, first of all, to to acknowledge what my values are, my strengths, my goals, what's important to me. And that was the being part. And so when the, when I would do that, be first and then do, I actually was more powerful and more able to have an impact in the world and put positive energy out there. So that's the difference between a... Superwoman who's all about doing and a superb woman who's all about being first and then doing. And I, I think maybe we
0: add two more factors and I'm just thinking about it as you're talking because the part of it that makes it impossible, I think, is two things you already mentioned. You need to please people and be liked as you are doing all these things. You have to be nice Correct. and you have to look good and and be together. Mm-hmm. Which those are two factors yep. that I think, you know, men may have had similar pressures of doing, but they did not have to please everyone while they did it or look really good <laughs> as right. it was yeah. done. And, and I think those are those are really the, those big stumbling blocks that that make it you know many other serious ones as well, but that are that are real and make it make it impossible. Okay, so yeah. while you were at IBM and not listening to the whisper, you you were though it was somehow having an effect because you did start um, you founded a. Um, first work-life balance initiative. And you did that early. That was 1995. Mm-hmm. And and then you yeah. ended up starting your own company. So there's still a lot of doing going on, Productivity Resource yeah. Group, and yep. the Professional Women's Center. And while you're doing all that, you were also working at the Institute for Entrepreneurial Leadership and the C3 Workplace, and then um, founded Queen Bee. Well, you are the Queen Bee, but um, you, you, you right. founded the Superb Woman Inc. and... Um, you were writing for Huffington Post, and you have a YouTube show. Correct.
1: So the a lot of women's
0: Sundays at seven. A, a lot of a, a lot of go doing still going on. Um, you had said, "I truly believe that if you hold the space, a miracle can occur." What do you mean by holding space, and and how did you come about that concept and start actually being able to do it?
1: So that is a process. You know, I would love to tell people do this, again, to the doing, do this, and um, and everything will be taken care of. That's not the way it works. It's a process. So what happened for me was that work-life balance initiative that you mentioned at IBM, that really started uh, me thinking. Um, and what happened was I have three children, and I'd come back from maternity leave and was working for a uh, very forward-thinking gentleman who believed that a balanced employee is a productive employee, um, also was self-aware enough to realize that he was a total workaholic and if he expounded upon this, no one would listen to him. So here's Janet, the good employee coming back, has the three kids, and um, asked me to start this work-life balance initiative, the first one of its kind. I, I hadn't even heard the term yet, but I found that when I was doing this and putting this together, um, I was tapping in to my strengths and my passions and I was really loving doing that, getting back to my teaching roots actually, um, much more so than selling my computers. Um and so during that process I came up with a methodology and that led me to you know going out on my own and starting my own company. Um and what happened, um, how I got to the superb woman stage was after I had my professional women's center, which was, I called it a, a men's club for women without the cigars. Um, it was a a place a t- ahead of its time that offered women a place to come and relax and learn and connect. And it opened up right when the market crashed. And uh, for a variety of reasons, I had to close it after a year and I went to work for a friend of mine and helped her to uh, grow her business, start a new um, location, grow it in different directions. And I, I got to the point where I realized I was helping someone else achieve their dreams. And now it was time for me. So I did what I do whenever I get to that point, like what's next. Um, I do. I go back to the being. I go back and take some quiet time and trust that when I allow it, the answers will come to me. So I would do things like I would meditate, I would write, um, I would observe. And I generally gave myself about 30 days just to look around and see what I see. Um, And I noticed, well, this took about two seconds, that the world was a mess. And I noticed that I was um, seeing all these women who were extremely powerful and they had no idea how powerful they were. And the idea came to me that women can change this world in an instant when they realize it. And that's what I can do. I can help women to realize how innately powerful they are because we need their powerful energy. And that's when I came up with the concept of the superb woman, and that's when I started this latest venture that I'm on.
0: And so when you started back in and you were doing the work-life balance and you said you started to realize like you're back to your roots, you started to feel a passion. Were you noticing that this felt different? Were you noticing that the whisper maybe was there a little more frequently and that you were following it
1: more? Were you conscious of that? Yeah, I I was conscious of that. Um, And probably for one of the first times in my life, because as I said before, I was very good at brushing that aside and not listening to it. But it was, um, it was not only that I was, I was actually hearing it now. Um, but I could feel it in my body. I felt better. I felt more alive when I was doing these things. Time passed without me, you know, looking at the clock, uh, all day long, um, because it was something that I was enjoying. Um, and I realized there's, there's an exercise that um, I take clients through that I did for myself where I wrote, wrote down my values and I realized that creativity is one of my top values. And in my sales job, I, 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 they didn't give me that, um, that flexibility to have. There was some degree, but really the way that I was acting in this work-life balance initiative was pure creativity. I had carte blanche to go do what I wanted, and I was so happy, I was so alive. And and the, the contrast, because I was doing both jobs at the same time, the contrast between the two was really um, striking, and it was something that I couldn't miss.
0: You talk about allowing, and you say, I'm learning on new levels how important it is to be first and then do. I'm learning to walk the talk of being a, a superb woman. Okay. Were you from that moment where things started to shift, aware that you were now on a different path and that you were going to start doing things differently? Or were you on that path for a while before you realized?
1: Um, that's a good question. And I think that, like I said in the beginning, it's a process. So I think, you know, the realization that when I was doing the work-life balance stuff and I felt more alive, that was one realization. And then the next realization was when I learned to stand up for myself and take that leap and leave the company and go to another company. There was a, a the next leap after that was um, when I left that next job and went off on my own. Again, something I had never done before, didn't have a lot of support around me, but knew it was the right thing for myself. So each successive trusting leap that, you know, you leap and then that will appear, it just, um, it helped to solidify in my mind that I was on the right path. And now after, you know, over 10 years later, I can easily look backwards and see, oh yes, I can see where that happened, where that happened, where that happened. Whereas in the moment I might not feel it exactly, At that time, I am now, have done this long enough now that I have a higher degree of awareness.
0: Can can you also look back at those places and notice what was different as far as giving you the confidence to make different choices? In what way? In the sense of before you were sort of stuck as far as the shoulds of society and the people around Mm, you mm. and the ideas, not only outside, but internally, the ideas of what was a good person and a successful person and uh, a successful life and and a female's role and all all of those beliefs Mm -hmm, in there. mm -hmm. So I'm wondering at those moments Mm -hmm. where you began to shift, what gave you the Mm -hmm. confidence to be able to choose differently? than you had in the past?
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good, very good question. So I'm a huge believer in baby steps and that you take one step and you observe and you take another step and you observe. And that's pretty much what happens. When you talk about the shoulds, I mean, my whole life was, uh, you know, designed around shoulds. Um, and I have found that the shoulds contain the guilt, um, so I'm thinking it's a package deal. Yeah, it is I'm thinking that that comes with that particular that, and
0: that particular exactly. package for women. Like you got certain packages and that particular one has all those elements.
1: <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So uh, one of the things that uh, helps get past the shoes is learning to say no. And that was a very difficult word for me uh, because I... Oh, boy, if I said no to somebody, someone might not like me, um, and I won't have that approval. So I remember the first time I really consciously said no, when I realized this was not, you know, I looked at my motivations for doing something, and if it was doing it to please someone else and not myself, um, that was one of those little baby steps where I was like, whoa, really? You know, I have the right to um, do something for myself or to say no to somebody else, so once I had that realization, then the next step was actually saying it, and it was the. T- I can distinctly remember this. It was a PTA um, thing. I, I don't know about you, but once you start volunteering at the PTA, I think it's like on your forehead, and then they just assume you're going to say yes to everything. Um, and of course I did. And so one day they came forward and said, "Oh yeah, would you head this committee?" And I went, "No." And literally the word got stuck in my throat and um, people were a little shocked and then life went on. And I thought, wow, I did it. The world didn't end, (laughs) I'll try it again. And the next time was a little bit easier, the next time was a little bit easier. Now I have no problem saying no, but it's a process. It's, It's, you have an awareness, you take a step, you observe, you take another step, you observe, and then you get the. I believe that the universe conspires to give you all the information that you need when you are open to it. And I kept getting messages, you know, in the form of uh, I would meet somebody that had the answer for me, or a job opportunity would come through um, right at the right time because I was open to receiving it and because I was taking the next right step.
0: Okay, so let's talk about the superb woman. It's all about the bee. And I'm going to call it your manifesto because <laughs> when I first started reading it, and I read it a couple times, and I'm like, oh, you know, it, it's like, what is it? And I'm like, it, it's a manifesto. Like, that is what, that's what it is, um, at least to me. And it yeah. walks us through bee's journey. And she yep. starts to try to figure out, she's searching, and she mm-hmm. wants to figure out um, how these women who seem to and a particular woman have it all and sort of be it all and, and do it all how she does it and she goes mm-hmm. looking for qualities of a queen bee and mm-hmm. the first one is she wants to be comfortable in her own skin right That's a big one, Um, but you've got to have Mm -hmm. that, I think, as you say, to lead to the other ones. Um, And Mm -hmm. early on, she's reminded what happy feels like and that she deserves to be happy. And I think these both are linchpins, especially the deserving one, because especially the package that you and I have been discussing throughout the show, um, Mm -hmm. it does not come with a really high level of believing that you deserve.
1: Correct. So maybe you can kind of
0: take a start, you know, outline a little bit of, of B, the beginnings of B's
1: journey. Yeah. So the book is a parable. It's the story of a woman by the name of B who, as you said, um, stressed out, kind of, you know, a normal woman. Um, and she sees this media icon who seems to have it all and she goes on a journey, a quest to figure out how she does it. And it's the wisdom that she gets for women along her path. Um. And just very similarly to myself, like my mother read it and said, well, so this is your story. (laughs) And I said, well, uh, kind of, but it's really the stories of the women that I have met on my path. And I believe that part of the quality of a superb woman besides being comfortable in your own skin is recognizing that you can't do it all and you can't do it by yourself and you need a tribe. And, so that's one of the things that B discovers is by talking to other women and, and recognizing um, how we can learn from each other and help each other grow. Uh, I think that is that's so powerful. And so that's what B does is she goes on this journey. And as she's talking to women, she sees, you know, well, if they can do it, I can do it. And that's what happened for me as I went through life and I would meet these women and I go, Hmm, she's not that different than me. I could probably do something like that. And once I started seeing it in other women, then I started to believe it was possible for me. And, and that's the whole, and then pass it on uh, mentality, because I believe that's where I'm at, that I'm at a point where I know that I deserve it. I know that I am capable and I want to pass that on and give that back to the women on their path.
0: And do you remember making that shift? You, you say you started to make the shift, which I guess is part of it, to start saying no, right? Because when we say no, it is, it is putting yourself first, um, which is, is important. Yep. Where do you remember the feeling part or the belief part shifted as far as beginning to feel like maybe you deserved more than you were giving yourself or allowing yourself to have?
1: Well, the first was recognizing what my feelings were. I was one of those people that was very successful at stuffing down all my feelings because I, I had to, if you were the most important person, it didn't matter what I thought. It would matter more what you thought. So I had a lifetime of stuffing down my emotions. So that took a lot of time, energy, therapy, work to be able to, first of all, acknowledge what my feelings were um, and then to acknowledge that I had a right to have those feelings. So that took some work to get there. Once I got there, then, um, then the deserving of it kind of was the, the natural next step. Yes, I have these feelings, and it's okay to have these feelings. Um, and then that led to once I have these feelings and if I don't feel good about something, I have the right to say no about that, or I have the right to pursue something that is right for me. Um, so it it was all a very natural progression, but it really started way back to, um, you know, who, what do I feel? Who am I? What do I feel? Um, and it's okay that I feel this way.
0: Was it a conscious choice while you're writing the parable to make, Um, B's journey really dependent upon and and very intertwined with learning from other women that, that she was not going to do this alone. How important was that? Yep.
1: Totally important. And yes, that is one of the main facets of being a superb woman is, is, you know, having your tribe and learning from the other women. Um, And I think there is, I think we've seen this in the last year in particular women coming together and recognizing um, how powerful we are and how extremely powerful we are when we come together. Um, I believe that women have been our own worst enemy a lot of times that we've kind of kept ourselves shackled and yet we had the key. And I believe other women can be our mirrors and show us when we're holding ourselves back and we can help other women by you know, doing the same for them to show them where they're holding themselves back, and to bring them forward, um, to help them to tap into their innate power because we we all
0: need it. So one of the the steps that B goes through on her journey is she starts to write down her values. As you said, maybe that's why your mom thought the story's mm-hmm. about you because you did that. Um, <laughs> you <laughs> you wrote down your values. You said it seemed like that was when she started that pretty easy, right? Boom was creativity. Um, was yeah. it difficult? to write down the rest and was it a challenge to release the ones that you realized that you maybe had been acting upon that really weren't on the list? Mm.
1: Yeah. Um, it, 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 yeah. I mean, it was a challenge in that it's not an overnight thing and there are relationships that you are in that Uh, You know, the unwritten rules of engagement with the relationships are the way you've been behaving, right? So when you start changing, um, it's going to cause a shift in relationships as well. Um, I ended up going through a divorce for a variety of reasons, but one of them is that I was changing, that I was becoming who I was and not who I, the image that I had put out there in the past. Uh, for no other reason that uh, that's the way I always operated. It wasn't a not out of deceit or anything like that. Um, but once I started to get very clear, you know, the the roles shifted, relationship shifted. It's not always a painless journey. Um, but I believe that, that the realization of who you are and tapping into that innate power um, gets you through even the difficult times. All
0: right. We're going to take a short break. This is Ellie Newman on That Got Me Thinking. I'm speaking with Janet Neal. We're speaking about her new book, Superb Woman. It's all about the bee. And uh, we'll come back and talk about the other parts. Uh, This is KDPI 88.5 FM, community radio, listener supported, streaming live at kdpifm.org. Alright, we're back. This is Ellie Newman. I'm speaking with Janet Neal. And so, Janet, you just said something that that made me think about one of the characters in the book, Ling. And um, she comes up when when I think the the book's talking about, can we really trust ourselves and feel secure with with who we are? And and, um, where is the switch to start listening to that inner voice versus external pressures? And doing what really is in your individual nature. And Ling has an experience where when she does start doing that, she in the book splits with her husband and mm-hmm. many things change. And were was this a precipice where you realized If I start, you know, because you were already doing the work and I want to talk a little bit about that because you got to do the work and sometimes the work doesn't feel good. Um, You know, I think you're swimming across a cold river and and the swimming part might not be nice, but it really is better on the other side. But I think many people and a lot of us in different areas, we stay on the safe side. So was it scary, and, and did you have to sort of make a, a conscious deal with yourself that, that things are going to change, but I trust it will be better, um, even if there are some hard parts?
1: Yes, and that was not a one-time thing. <laughs> so there were in the beginning when I looked and said, oh, this is really going to be painful. I said, no, thank you, and, uh, and then I would retreat. So I'd like to take one step forward, two steps back. And um, and that was really, that for me, you know, having this lifetime of um, trying to please, it was very difficult to go against that. And there were times when I consciously said, you know, it's the devil you know. It's, it's easier for me to stay here unhappy and be, and know what to expect rather than go into the unexpected. So I did that over, it, it took years, um, until I would get up. And again, you know, that, that going back to that whole thing about the universe tapping you on the shoulder or hitting you with a two by four, um, you know, it's just, just wait, you know, if you don't, if you say no now, that's fine. The universe will come back next time, a little bit stronger. And that's what happened to me. There was more and more quote unquote evidence that I was not doing what I should be doing. And, um, or I should put that a different way, <laughs> eliminate the word should, uh, I was not on my right path.
0: Yeah, the, the authentic and choice, the, the authentic
1: should. Yes. That, that should's exactly. okay. Exactly. <laughs> that should's okay. So I, you know, I, I finally got to the point where I realized you know, I could keep going on this path the way I'm going and be miserable um, but know what to expect or you know, how miserable did I want to be in my life? Uh, like you said, you know, is there a better life on the other side? And I just had to take that leap. It was the same thing. It's like when I, going back to that, those IBM days, when I decided to leave the company that I had never done anything like that to go and take that leap of faith. um, Then with no one behind me um, and not knowing whether this is going to work out or not. Once I did that first one, the next one was easier. Just like the saying no. After you do the first one, the next one's a little bit easier, the next one's a little bit easier. So I would do one thing that was scary, and then I'd step and look around and go, oh, okay, I'm still here. And then that would give me confidence for the next time I'd have to make a a difficult decision.
0: So we hear a lot of language lately about gratitude and and forgiveness and acceptance Mm. and... and, Mm -hmm. some of the elements in the book, but the, the distinguishing factors here I think are some of the things that allowed you in your life to change, where you wrote things down, you got conscious, you started mm-hmm. to listen mm-hmm. to that whisper, you started to do mm-hmm. some things to to make some scary choices, and you had a tribe and, and a uh, you know group to yeah. support you, and that maybe those are the yeah. aspects that allowed you really to make, make different choices. In the chapter on forgiveness, Absolutely. the, the the character says, it all comes down to choice. Are you willing to choose to believe in yourself or not? Are you willing to forgive yourself and mm-hmm. others or not? Are you willing to live a full mm-hmm. life or not? And I read that part a couple times because I, I was like, is it really mm-hmm. as easy as all that? Um, and and mm. so I started thinking, obviously, it's not because the whole book is about getting to that place. Um, but mm-hmm. What, mm-hmm. what stands in the way do you think for most people of being able to do that? And then what is the beginning of the path to different choices?
1: Well, I totally believe that that uh, life is all about choices, and that when you when you can get to that point and believe that basic co- concept um, that you have a choice in it, um, that's what the first step is. So a lot of people can go through life feeling that, um, well, this is, this is the way it's meant to be, right? I don't have any choice in the matter. You always have a choice. You may not have uh, a choice on what happens to you, but you have a choice of how you feel about it. And th- so there's always a choice. And I, I think, you know, one of the things you talked about with forgiveness one of the biggest things for me to learn was not just the forgiveness of others, but the self-forgiveness. And to forgive myself for judging myself in whatever way I was judging myself, forgive myself for feeling um, that I didn't do something right. um, And to really get back to a place of liking myself. And when I started to like myself and be able to, dare I say, love myself, then I felt that I had the right to feel happy, the right to have a happy life, the right to make choices that may be difficult for others. But it all came back to, you know, starting to get that belief um, that I had the right to make those choices.
0: I'm I'm thinking again about the shoulds and, um, The fact that when we are acting upon shoulds, we're we're really giving away our power um, pretty much completely. And so I'm thinking about, you know, Mm -hmm. we all do things for reasons you know it's serving us mm-hmm. in some way even though now we could make a new choice yeah. and, and do thing different things and, and it would serve us better but but we are doing mm-hmm. things as you say we are making choices and we're doing things that are serving us Wh- what mm-hmm. do you think serves us how are we served by giving away our power you know it's different for everyone of course in different situations but generally how do you right. think that that serves someone
1: well it it maintains the status quo so, if you are a person that uh, is afraid of change, if you are afraid of the unknown, um, by giving away your power, it keeps you very set where you're at. Um, and you're allowing someone else to make the, the choices for you, and then if it goes badly, it's not your fault. You can blame that on somebody else. Well, it wasn't my decision, right? I didn't pick so, that restaurant. It's not my
0: fault that the meal was terrible. Exactly. I said I said I didn't care. Exactly. Do you all remember I said exactly. I didn't
1: care. But can be very passive aggressive. <laughs> but yeah, that's it. It when you give away your power, um you are pretty much saying um I am preferring to stay stagnant because you are not growing
0: at all. Yeah, and, and we don't want the responsibility. So it has that, that aspect exactly. of it, right? We're giving away our power, but we're also yep. giving away responsibility, which is a safer place to be. Yes. We don't have to feel guilty yep. or, or, or wrong, or we made a mistake and then have to berate ourselves. And I think the flip side of that coin, you talk about in the, the part of the parable about finding your focus. And Peggy says, I again unconsciously had a greater need to be accepted and liked than to be respected and heard. So again, she's making a choice that that, that overweighs. That she wants to to be liked more than mm-hmm. being respected mm-hmm. and she's going to forego being heard. What do you think happens yeah. to a soul, um, when they are foregoing being heard and give up on that expectation?
1: Their light diminishes. Um, they, uh, you, you shut off a part of yourself. Um, when that happens, um, you are giving up, uh, I hate to keep going back to this innate power thing, but, but if, if I believe that you know there's this light inside of all of us. Um, I go back to the to the example of babies. When babies are born, they are like they are just like light and energy and amazing. There's no uh, there's nothing that's holding them back, right? They just they are they're they're this energy being, and as they are socialized, they kind of are adding layers. That that dims the light um, until they can kind of start to reverse the process um, and start letting go of the layers. Well, it's the same thing if it's a human being, uh, a a adult that has learned, you know, through socialization and personality and all different circumstances, has learned to shut that light down. Um, It's very hard sometimes to to let it show. You know, the Marianne Williamson quote, it's one of my very favorite ones um, that says, it is not the darkness that we fear, but our light. It's our our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. And I, I really believe that. I think that there's a lot of people that, they're not afraid of the darkness. They're more afraid of their own powerful light inside.
0: Yeah, that that quote always, I think, gets uh, attributed to Nelson Mandela, and it it's not his. Although I'm sure he believes it. Um, right. You know, the the who yeah. are we? <laughs> to be this and this and this, and and then it's like, who are we not yep. to be? And yet not we really yeah. are programmed that, you know, you know, all the other parables that came before yours, you know, don't fly too mm-hmm. high, you'll, you'll get your wings burnt, yep. don't, don't think too much of yourself, exactly. you know. Um, who do yep. you think you are? Don't be smart. I mean, these are really, we're barraged with these. Um, and then yes. for women, of course, on top of that, and be nice and look good. Um, so we get the two exactly. extras. Exactly, exactly.
1: Exactly. Yep. So let's talk a yep. little bit. So um, that's what yeah. I'm on this mission to let that all go. So, and, and it starts with like in the book, I, I, there's the three um, qualities that this, um, the, the, the watch words that this uh, media person has, um, the awareness, acceptance, abundance, and it all starts with the awareness. It's And that's what I kind of hope this book does is to, Open people's eyes, um, and to start the conversations, and to start the awareness.
0: And the awareness part is can be work as well. Um, you know, you got to start totally. listening to the whisper and be aware. But it's it. There can be. Tricky waters, you know, you think, Oh, I really want this. I'm really clear about this. I'm putting it out there. It seems like the right thing. You know, why don't I have it? And you got to look and think, Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. why, why don't I have it? You know, maybe there are some, mm-hmm. some reasons I'm, I'm not really ready to have that or accept that or think I deserve that. Or maybe there are also some conflicting reasons why I don't want that. You know, maybe it still seems yeah. too scary or that I believe it'll lead to something else or I'm not, I'm not ready for whatever reason. And so it's, it's, it's a, a good trip, but it's probably not going to be smooth sailing all the way. Um, a- another exactly. aspect of it that you talk about is gratitude. And I have to say, when I got to this, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. it's become such a buzzword. Um, <laughs> right. And yet it has a critical spot um, when we are trying to reignite our light and live from that authentic place. And so maybe you could talk mm-hmm. a little bit about where gratitude fits in and on your journey and B's journey, um, where that fit in.
1: Yeah. So the interesting thing with gratitude, I mean, I personally have found, and uh, that kind of kind of goes back to who I am. That I just have a positive attitude for life, and I am very grateful for things in my life, and I always have been. Um, so that kind of came naturally to me. But the interesting thing is, and as I've been doing this this web show, Superb Woman Sundays at 7, I've been interviewing women who are excellent examples of this concept of a superb woman. And as I ask them questions, every single one gratitude plays a key role in their life that they have, you know, to coin the phrase, an attitude of gratitude. But the, the reason why um, it, it helps them in moving forward that they're not focusing on the lack, they don't have that lack mentality, but they're looking at the possibilities and they're grateful for each step in the process. So I found myself that when things are not going my way and, you know, life happens, um, that I can't get out of my own way unless I start looking for the gratitude and I start expanding the possibilities. So when I'm stuck in that space where it's blah, 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 it's not working my way and blah, blah, blah. Then I I have just constricted my uh, my life and I'm I'm operating from a position of lack. When I can shift over to gratitude, even if it's like I'm looking outside right now and the sun is shining and there's blue sky, which I haven't seen in a while, I'm so grateful for that. That opens the door to possibilities for more gratitude, for more good things to come in. And I don't want to sound like, the, you know, like a Pollyanna, but I have seen it in person after person after person, how just having that mental shift, that belief shift, how it opens up um, and expands the world.
0: Well, I'm so glad you said Pollyanna, because as you were talking, I was thinking that's such a subtle distinction, because you don't want to be mm-hmm. a Pollyanna in the sense of things are not going well, and you close your eyes and put your hands over your ears and say, it's all good, it's all good, it's right. all good, right? Because no, you have right. to acknowledge that, no, this kind of sucks right now. This is not good. Yet, exactly. you have to then, because of the way the universe works, shift your focus on the abundance and not focusing on the lack because if you're, it's like shining the light. And if you're shining the light on the lack, exactly. it's like a restaurant. The universe is like, oh, they're ordering lack. Let
1: me send up. Let me send exactly. up some more. Right. Yep. Yep. That's exactly right. Right. Yeah, and it goes back to the whole awareness, acceptance, abundance. That um, it, it's kind of a circular thing. So you know, you have the awareness awareness and then the acceptance is really looking at where you're at I, I like to look at it as okay as the starting graph so here's the situation now where do I go from here I accept where I'm at I'm not saying it's great but I'm just saying this is this is where we're at this is these are the cards that have been dealt now where do I go from here and then the where do I go from here leads into the abundance and then and that and that Abundant thinking, that great gratitude that comes out, which may uncover other things that lead you back to the awareness and you go through the whole cycle again. So
0: in the last chapter of the the parable, um, it's called Meeting the Queen Bee. And and Bee's been on the journey. She's Mm -hmm. been doing her work. She's been being aware. She has been making some changes. She has learned to say no. She's got herself a mentor, which is huge. Mm -hmm. And she's been expressing gratitude. And in this chapter, she meets the gal who sort of started her on this journey. And Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. maybe the meeting isn't as... She had expected, or the readers, unless they wised up by then, um, at least didn't expect what it would be like <laughs> at the beginning. Um, maybe you could talk a little bit about that, about their uh, their meeting in the elevator.
1: Yeah. So, um, as you said, B has this this icon, you know, up on a pedestal, and and this woman, you know, can do no wrong, and she's got all the answers, and her life is perfect. And as B is trying to figure out how to be like that. Um, she realizes that, number one, no one is really like that, that that is not really reality. And number two, that that isn't necessarily what she wants. And along the way, she has learned from these other women um, how they did it, and she has learned what works for her. So by the time she meets this icon, it's, you know, yes, she admires this woman, but she's not you know, the goddess that she thought she was. She is another woman. Um, and she's able to relate to her more on a, not necessarily a peer, but almost a peer level rather than putting her up on a, on a pedestal. Because there is such danger, I've done that many, many times in my life, where you put someone up on a pedestal and then the only thing they can do is come crashing down. And it doesn't serve you. It doesn't serve them. Um, it's better for you to... Think of yourself as whatever you admire in them, look for that part in yourself. And there's there's a thing called a positive projection. So that if you admire something in somebody else, it's only because you already have that inside of you. You wouldn't even recognize it if um, if you didn't have it inside of you. And so if you're really admiring someone and going, oh, well, I could never do that. And that comes out in the book as well. Um, actually, you could. Uh, because you're recognizing that they can do it, and because you have that ability within. And that's what it happens to be.
0: Okay, I want everyone who's listening to this interview when they're listening to the podcast, play that part again. Because I just think that's so important. I'm thinking about maybe that's one reason Big Little Lies was so popular, um, beyond the fact mm. that all the actresses they had it had in it. But <laughs> this idea that somehow other people, and other women especially, um, have some secret that we don't have, or have some right. I- abilities that we don't. And so, you know, th- there's no possibility. And that also that they... Lives are perfect, these people that then we think have this secret. I think that that really is a a big stumbling block. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, throughout this book. She is developing her tribe. She's, she's got, and there's sort of a leader who I think is a gal at the nail salon because she's the connector to some yes. of the other people that he <laughs> gets connected to. And I love that. Um, and she seems mm-hmm. like she's very comfortable in her skin for sure from, from the get go yep. and, and pretty aware. Um, who are your tribe? And, and were you a woman who had a tribe sort of all along, or was that something mm-hmm. that you developed throughout this journey?
1: Yes. I'm a bit of an extrovert. Um, so, and I am you know, back to gratitude. I am extremely grateful for my friends. I have had amazing friends throughout my life. I still have my elementary school friends are, are dear friends of mine. Um, so I have always, um, been drawn to women, um, to strong women and, um, and I- very grateful to have been able to establish relationships with them. Lately, what has happened when I decided to go into this, this new phase of my life is I met one woman at a networking event who then, who is a huge connector. And she said, oh, this is who you need to, to meet. You need I'm gonna introduce you. And I just trusted her that she knew the right people for me to meet. And from her, I am now in this community of women um, that are amazing, superb women. And so it, it, it only takes one person, just like Velma in the book, the, at the nail salon, it just takes one person who can connect you to people. And if you, if you make, and you don't necessarily know which person that's going to be, but it's all about the relationships and it's all about making that, um, not a superficial connection, but a real heart-to-heart connection with someone and trusting um, them that they understand you and that they're going to lead you to who you need to meet next.
0: And did your relationships, the ones that you've had since grade school, did they shift as Uh as you sort of shifted? Because I'm guessing that from operating from the earlier package of pleasing and doing and being there for everyone, um, that your friendships maybe developed Similar attributes, or were those always unique? Were those always more coming from from um, you're more vulnerable and authentic places, or, or did you see them shift as well?
1: Um, yes, there were a lot of relationships that shifted, and that was one thing I had to learn to do is to let go of toxic relationships, um, ones that didn't served me any longer, and for someone who, you know, cherishes friendship, that was a very difficult thing for me to do, but fortunately, most of my deep friendships were at, as you said, from that vulnerable place, and so even though I have changed and evolved through the years, so have they, and at our essence, we are the same, so, you know, I just got together in September with my college roommates and some of my Uh, grammar school friends and we pick up like it was yesterday and because even though we've all gone our separate ways it's that core essence it's our being that connected and that is uh it's priceless I'm
0: just thinking it's the glowy babies like in those relationships right exactly that's why exactly. they last because in those relationships you you get yep. to be the glowy babies and you're the, that with each exactly. other so you see each other as that that's, that's very cool yep. all right exactly this is Ellie Newman on That Got Me Thinking. I've been speaking with Janet Neal. She is a reformed superwoman and now a superb woman. Uh, her most recent book, The Superb Woman, It's All About the Bee. Um, where can people get the book? And your your we didn't even get to talk about your other book. Um, so where can people get your books <laughs> and um, how do they listen to your YouTubes?
1: Sure. Uh, you can get the book at your favorite booksellers online or in stores. Um, and it's also available on my website, the superbwoman.com. there. You can get to YouTube or you can go directly to YouTube to the superb woman channel to see all my interviews with wonderful superb women.
0: And one of the awesome elements about uh, the superb woman is it and, uh, and, and I'm going to call it the manifesto again is you can stick this parable manifesto in your pocket in your jacket in your purse um, and, and keep it with you and because you're going to be needing to refer back um, as, as Janet talked about like it's a journey and you're, you're going to need this with you. Well, it was so wonderful to have you Thanks. on the show and great talking with you and I really, really enjoyed the, the book.
1: you, Allie. You are a
0: superb woman yourself. Ah, well, thank you very much. Thanks so much, (laughs) Janet. Excellent. Thanks so much. This was fun. Good. That's my hope. Okay. Okay. Have a great day. (laughs) Bye.
1: You too. Bye-bye. bye bye